Good evening, everyone. So good to see you all again in this parenting series. And so just to remind you, last week, I mean the week before, we spoke about what the Bible has to say about parenting, this task that we've been given to bring up children. And as parents, we are the perfect people to bring up these children. And then we spoke last week about discipline, the hows, the whens, the whys, and the what-fors. And I do trust there were some helpful bits and pieces regarding it. And so this week, I want to speak about building self-confidence, self-esteem in our children. And strangely enough, I believe discipline helps give children self-confidence. It doesn't knock it out of them. It puts it into them. Now, there's a fine line between self-confidence and humility. And friends, we don't want a child that is so humble that they've got no self-confidence, they can't look you in the eye, they're petrified of everything. We want to build up a confident child that is humble. Because God says, I give grace to the humble and the law to the proud. So we don't want proud children, we want humble children that have got self-confidence. And so with discipline comes restoration and forgiveness. So we have repentance and there's forgiveness for the, the thing that's, that they've done. And we restore them and there is, following that, forgetfulness. Because Jesus removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. They can't be together. And so we don't ever bring up what has been done again unless there's repeat and repeat and repeat. But we forgive and we remove it as far as the east is from the west. And this gives a child confidence that is loved no matter what. So every day when my children get out the car, when I'm dropping them at school or dropping them wherever, every time they get out the car, I say, hey, I love you and I'm proud of you. Every day, every phone call that gets made, every time they speak to me on the phone, I say, hey, I love you, proud of you. No matter what. It gives the child confidence that they loved. No matter what they do, they loved. And so I'm not proud of the sin within them. I'm proud of them because of who they are. Whether they get an A or an F, the first or the tenth team, proud of them. And as parents, we need to put this into them. And so one of the questions that came up was, what if I'm not self-confident? How do I put that into my children? Well, number one, friends, we have to get before the Father and say, Lord, how do you see me? So in Psalm 17 verse 8 says that we are the apple of our Father's eye. And he thinks we are fabulous. We are loved beyond measure. We would often say to our children, man, I love you to the moon and back. And they would say, yeah, but I love you to the moon and back and back again. And we would just build them and say, man, you are loved. See, you can do that even if you don't have self-confidence. We can still put it into our children. We can still read scripture over them again and again. Help them understand how valued they are, valuable. That God knit them together in our mother's womb, in their mother's womb. That he has plans to prosper them and not to harm them. 
We build self-confidence in them. Dads, I'm talking to you primarily now, but moms, similarly. So listen up, everybody. Tell your daughter that she is the most beautiful girl in the world. I know it's a worldly value system, but that's how she gets judged every day of her life. James Dobson calls it the gold coin of self-worth. He says intelligence is the silver coin of self-worth. And it's how we get judged in the world. But if we tell our child how beautiful she is from an early age, from early on, she'll believe it. She never has to make, uh, uh, make herself beautiful because she knows that her dad told her. And inside of her, outside of her, all over her, she's beautiful. She doesn't have to take her norms from Barbie, Instagram, Pinterest, and the like. Sir, and if you don't have a father or, or a mother in the home, we have to compensate them, but it's not insurmountable. But sir, tell your daughter what is good to wear when she is going out. You be the dress code setter. You be the dress code setter. So when you're going out, when they're young, it's not helpful that they wear crop tops and minis just below their belts. Because that's what they'll wear when they're teenagers. And they'll think that's perfectly normal. What's cute and sweet when they're very small translates to not so cute and sweet and jolly dangerous when they're older. You tell them, you teach them and tell them, man, that's just not attractive. It's very attractive, but it's not helpful for you. It's attractive for the hyenas out there. So be careful of toys. Be careful of Barbie. I'll talk about Barbie in a minute. Be careful of watching romantic movies where boy gets girl and everyone lives wonderfully all after. It's ever after. It sets the girls up for heartbreak when life doesn't always work like that. Friends, I've just said it, boys are hyenas and we have to pray for lion-hearted leaders to stand up, to come and court our girls, not hyenas. She learns from you that her heavenly father made her, chose her, has plans for her. Treat her with the respect she will expect her suitors to treat her with. I open my daughter's door for her when I'm alone with her. I open my wife's door for her when I'm alone with her. I understand there are cultural norms and cultural differences here. This is my cultural norm and the way I was brought up. Good manners. You have to figure this all out in your cultural and familial norms. I'm just telling you what I do for my girls in my family. Why? Because they're worth it. So when I'm not alone and I'm with a son, they open the door for my daughter or their mother. But otherwise I do it. Unless she gets there first and gets in, obviously she doesn't wait for me to come. But I open the door. Why? Because they're worth it. She learns from me. That that's what Spooner men do. So her suitor is going to do that one day as well. 
girls are worth it. And fathers, you reinforce that. Dads, remember, single family houses, mothers can do this too. Dads, tell your son he has what it takes to be a man in this world. Tell him how wonderful he is. Tell him his value as a son, no matter what his achievement or lack thereof. Tell him he's strong and amazing. But tell him the truth. Don't tell him he's the best at everything. He's not. He's not. Someone's going to be better at something than him. Don't say 2 plus 2 equals 52. Don't say, hey son, what's 2 and 2? And if the son says it's 52, dad, you don't jump up and say, yeah, that's amazing, you're incredible. There is a teaching method and technique that does that so that we, we don't break a child down. It's just not true. Be honest, but be full of confidence that they can do well at anything if they want to. Get extra lessons to help them. Put two smarties down and another two smarties and say, count those, one, two, three, four. So two plus two is not 52. It's four. Well done. Perfect. Amazing. Find the thing that a child excels at and everyone can excel at something. Be careful of violent boy stuff. It has similar repercussions as the girl stuff. Violent boy stuff ends in tears. How your son treats his mom and his daughter will play out in the games and toys that you have for him. So as I've told you, I think I may have mentioned, uh, there, there was that program called Gladiators. It turned my son into a nightmare. Gladiators, you know, those guys would dress up in padding and, and have uh, big rubber things and they'd run into people and they'd run into the opposition and bash them out the way. Yeah, I'm finding my son running up to his mother and bashing her out the way and his sore daughter, his sister, he just get flattened. Whoa, problem here. What's the common denominator? Gladiators. Let's stop gladiators. Be careful of video games that have blood and gore and you're giving them to them too young. Man, they will play those things out. Be careful of them. Be careful. Tell your son he can make it, but he doesn't have to kill anyone to do it. Okay, I butchered this a little bit on on week one, so I'm going to say it again. Friends, we serve a God of comfort, okay? And in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, it speaks about this God of comfort that we serve. I'm generalizing here totally. Please don't shoot me for generalizing. But very often it's mom that's the mom that represents the comfort. Then there's the God of strength in Psalm 24, verse 8. Speak about this God of strength. Very often it's dad. And of course at times it's vice versa. You don't have to be hurtful to be strong. Okay. Just remember that. And so I had a 10-year-old daughter who got hit on the hand playing hockey. In a hockey match. I am far away on the other side. They put ice on and they run on. You know you get a lame hand. And for a couple of minutes it's, it's, it's sore. I get it. And on mince all the coaches and that, oh, my darling, my puppy, shame, my puppy. You're so hurt. Come off to the side and you can come off. You can come off because you saw. And friends, let me tell you this. The temptation is to comfort them and take them home and buy a hamster on the way home and say, shame, you got hurt. Make it all right. 
But I tell you, she needed a dad on the side of the field to say, are you dead? No. Have you lost a limb? No. Stay on the field. It's okay to take a few knocks here and there. It's okay to get a bump on the hand. Everything's going to be okay. Mom, it's okay. Mom, stay away. Yeah, it's a big deal here. Dad's going to make sure she knows how to handle this. Friends, put it into them. Never leave the field of play unless you're dead or you've lost a limb. Got to put strength of character into our children. Perseverance, or else the slightest knock and they'll give up. They'll never ask a girl out because they're scared of rejection. It's not them that's being rejected, it's just they're asking the person out that got rejected. It's the invitation. It's very different. They'll crumble in job interviews because any opposition is a slight against them personally. Friends, teach your children that criticism must be run off like water off a duck's back. Make them confident. Hey, man, you can say that as much as you want. It's not true. I'm letting it run off my back. I tell you what, if you learn that, you'll find that in church. How many disgruntled and offended people are in churches? There are dozens and dozens and millions and hundreds. But if they'd learned early on in life, water off a duck's back, not to say if it's true that you, oh, you can't say that and I'm ignoring it. No, no. If it's true, let's deal with it. But if it's not true, let it run off. Let us not get offended. And when we're older, we won't get offended. We won't have all these people running around in church offended. Teach people not to be offended. Again, I'm generalizing. And please hear me. This is not about being a big, rough, tough father. Rah, rah, rah. No, no, you're teaching your child to be a modern-day knight. Chivalry. Good manners. And in that, I get it. Not every father is the roughest, toughest. I'm not the roughest, toughest in the world. But I can put into my children strength of character. And uh, as I said, I am generalizing here in terms of males and females, but dads can run faster and climb higher. Generally. Please don't shoot me, feminati. But we have to put that into our children, that they can do it, girl and boy. Let me tell you, Beth spoke about roughing it and tumbling it with dad on the bed. It's very helpful that they don't just, that they grow up having fun together. And daughters can do that. My daughter was in amongst that. She was the one, roughing, tumbling, tackling, jumping, biting, kicking, not biting. Okay, we have to put our children in this heart, inside, I can do it. And we don't ever allow our children to say, I can't. They can ask for help, but they can do anything. They can go as far as they want and become anything they set their mind to. But don't ever let them say, I can't. You remember that? I spoke about that rock in Kenton, three or four meters high, everyone jumping. Michael and I, my, the next one up, he just wouldn't. They wouldn't. Everyone else jumping off the rock, jumping, jumping, jumping. And I'm sitting there. Every parent in the whole of Kenton is watching, saying, what kind of a palooka father is this? Forcing his child. Child's going to have nightmares. Rubbish. Eventually, he jumped. Spent the rest of the day jumping. Because he can. Come on. We can. Yes, I can. Has got a ring in their minds. Ring in their minds all the time. This creative genius. That if they can't find their school cap, 
friends. They go to school with a can-do attitude and man, I might have to apologize to the headmaster because I can't go to assembly, but please, they'll make a plan. They've got creative genius kicks in. They will make a plan. Trust me. Trust me. Don't rush off and, oh, I tell you what to do, I'll quickly go to the school shop and I'll buy you one. No, 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 no. We have got dozens of school caps at home. Dozens. And the, the, some of them are wrecked and broken. That's fine. If they can't find the regular one, they can just use the broken one. It's quite fine. It, they'll, they'll be okay. I remember my child coming to school and um, it was a fantastic situation. 7.20 and he says to me, I had a small problem. Um, I've got a school play now, school house, I mean a school assembly and we're doing a play and I've got to wear my house dress, my, my coloured shirt and my cap my coloured cap, I forgot it. What are you going to do about it? Well, can you help me? I said, I'll do my best. What would you like me to do? I need you to go home, get my kit and bring it back. I said, okay, so you do get it that I'll get home in traffic by 8, I'll get the kit, I'll probably be back at half past 8. Does that work for you? No. No. I said, then I can't help you. Sorry, man. All the best. Pray, hey Lord, may it go well. Creative genius, please make a plan. Love you, proud of you. Cheers. Pick them up in the afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Oh, lucky. Had a great day. Thank you. How was your play? Perfect. See what happened? No, I went to the front office. Mothers have dropped off house dress kit for years. There's a whole bag of it under her desk, under the lady's desk, and so I just borrowed my house and gave it back afterwards. Perfect. I said, man, that's amazing. What a champion. Creative genius. Love. Just this amazing thing that can drop into our children when we need it to. And so don't just bail them out, because they'll spend the rest of their life looking for you to bail them out. And... Let them learn and let them catch on. As I said just now, beauty and intelligence, the gold and silver coin of human worth in the world. The beautiful child is more accepted, the bright one more approved by peers and teachers. What does 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says when, he's, when Samuel is looking at David and saying, David, surely not him, he's a pipsqueak. No, no, he's the one with the heart. God looks at the heart, not at the outside. We've got to make sure that our children aren't looking at the outside, looking at the inside when we are formed in His image. And so, in our home, we have to make sure that home is a safe place and that they are not judged by looks and by intelligence all the time. Looks inside. And words are really powerful. Especially mom and dads. Our words are powerful. That's why Beth says don't count when you discipline. You don't say count to three. By the time I get to three, you're standing here. Man, you'll count to 103 and that child still won't be standing here. Man, we are, our words are powerful. Hey, come here. That means now. So sometimes when they're cleaning up, you give them 15 minutes. And when they can't tell the clock, you say, listen, when the big hand hits the top of the 12 there, then it's time. And you give them warning, 15 minutes, 5 minutes, and then it's done. Come, I'll help you, and we'll, we get this thing done. But we don't count. 
because our words are powerful. We don't let our children say they can't do maths. I'm useless at maths. No, 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 no. We break those words. You are not useless at maths. Say it. I am not useless at maths, and I'm going to help you find someone who can teach you if I can't. We make our children break it when they say something like this. Oh, you're an idiot. No, 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 no. You're not an idiot. You may have done something foolish, but say it. Say, I'm sorry, you're not an idiot. What you did there was unhelpful for this, this, and this reason. Positively reinforcing it. We don't have criticism that breaks down. We never compare. Friends, if you have more than one child, they are going to naturally compare each other, whatever. Their looks, what they're made of, and what they've got around them, they compare. And so, friends, we've got to be careful that we don't let them compare each other. Be careful of comparison of uh, perfection. I spoke about Barbie. We had dozens of Barbies. Everybody who has tired, got tired of Barbie gave it to us. We had hundreds of them. We had every we had Barbie going out to the ball, Barbie at the beach, Barbie. No, no, Barbie very unhelpful. Very unhelpful it can be. Barbie's got these impossibly perfect legs. She's got this impossibly narrow waist. She's got everything else that's impossible everywhere from her waist up, including this long, beautiful, blonde hair. Be careful. Be careful. Now your child, your daughter looks at that and says, so this is what I have to look for, look like. So instead of that, we say, hey, that's just a doll. Nobody looks like that. Nobody looks like that. If they have, they've had an operation to make them look like that. You don't have to look like that. Same with action men. I love action men. Action men rip muscles, guns, cars, tanks, everything. I loved action men. But if your child thinks it's got to look like action men, you've got trouble coming. We teach them, actually, that's just a doll. It's not perfection. It's not the way you need to look. All right? We're going to help our child to compensate. All right? No child is good at everything. But every child is good at something. No child is good at everything. But every child is good at something. Help our children, friends, to find that something. It may be sport. It may be academics. It may be culture. Help them find that thing. And don't take all their challenges away. Don't say, oh, well, he's no good at swimming, therefore he doesn't have to swim. No, no, no. You see, that's a challenge because they do swimming for, for Z at school. So now you're saying, well, my child can't swim, so I'm going to write a letter every week and say they're not allowed to swim. Now, friends, that's not helpful. A, they need to learn to swim. And B, it's just wrapping them in cotton wool. They have to learn to persevere all the time. They have to be able to learn to withstand criticism. Because children are going to laugh at them. They say, you can't swim, you're useless. No, 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 no. I'm not useless. What does God say? He says, I'm not useless. I've got to be able to withstand the criticism. I've got to learn what it is to let criticism run off me like water off a duck's back. Right. Saying that again. Teach them to take and handle the criticism. We don't wrap them in cotton wool. We give them swimming lessons. You don't have to pay for a huge amount. You can. And if you can't swim, find someone who can that can teach them how to swim. They don't have to be the best. 
but they do need to be able to swim so that they persevere through their challenges. Are you with me? I do trust that I'm making some sense in this. And then praising character above achievement in the home. Of course we celebrate when a child makes the best team they can or gets the best mark that they possibly can at, at school. Of course we celebrate. We shout, yay, we celebrate, we have a special meal, whatever. But I tell you what, we are more celebratory when a child comes home and says, hey, Dad, you'll never believe it. So-and-so at school can't afford food. He, he never brings lunch. Oh, what, if, what are you doing about it? I gave him mine today. Hey, friends, I jump up and down for months on that story. Months. Months. We celebrate that. We celebrate when a child is honest and it could easily have lied. We are super excited when a sibling praises another without being prompted. The other day we were sitting in the dark after, uh, after, uh, during home group that uh, was load shedding. We hadn't turned the lights on, so when the lights did come back on, we were still in the dark. One of my children walked past, flicked the lights on, and carried on as though nothing, it was nothing. I tell you, friends, silly example, but it's a celebration of character. You've got a problem, I can fix it, boom, done. Celebrate. It gives our children perspective of what's important. It's not important to make the first team. They don't have to make the first team to be a good and wonderful person. But when a child perseveres through something and worked to the best of their ability and they still fail, I'm still celebrating that they worked hard and they did their best and then I get them extra lessons to help them get through, help them pass. We teach our children good manners. Why? It gives them self-confidence that they fit in. Again, cultural, relevant, cultural relevance, please. I taught my children when they shake hands, they shake hands with a firm handshake and they look into the person's eye. They say please and thank you. You can't blame a lack of fathering friends on bad manners. Moms, you can teach manners as well. You often hear people in church, oh, well, he didn't have a father, you can't expect anything. No rubbish. He had a mother. And even if you grew up in a foster home, you grew up with someone teaching you things. You can learn. And it builds self-confidence. So friends, I, I do hope this has made some sort of sense, some sort of... Uh, idea on helping your children build self-confidence within them. We have to, just to end off, we have to, this is a have to. We have to teach our children to know, Stan has preached about this, go and get the preach if you need to. Who you are and whose you are. Teach our children who they are and whose they are. They are the fathers, the heavenly fathers. Now, when they are confident in that, if we miss a birthday or are away on a ministry trip when it's their birthday, as an example, they don't freak out and lose their mind because they've learned who they are and whose they are. And God comes first and then our family. And so whether we celebrate a birthday on the 13th of May or the 14th of May, 
doesn't really matter. Or in a week's time, I want you to know my age, I have never, and I say never, never is a big word, but it's pretty close to true, have never celebrated my birthday on the day in my entire life. Ever. People have either forgotten or they're just too tired to have bothered. I'm born on the 1st of January. But I'm telling you, by the 2nd, everyone's going, oh, happy birthday, hope you had a great day. Or 31st, happy birthday. Everyone remembers. Friends, does it bother me? Of course not. Just haven't grown up that way. Self-confidence, that it's actually okay. Self-confidence, I don't have to worry about Valentine's Day. If my wife forgets Valentine's Day, hallelujah. I can't bear Valentine's Day. That's not the point. Point being, whose we are, who we are, and we will have great self-confidence into this wide, wonderful world we live in. You, as parents, can put it into your amazing children. So Father, help us. Holy Spirit, be with us. Jesus, thank you for paving the way for us all here to be great parents. In Jesus' name, amen.